Welcome to the Talking Recruitment Podcast from the REC. Every week we look at all the latest insights, perspectives and experiences from across our diverse recruitment industry. Hello everyone and welcome along to another edition of Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. My name is Neil Carberry, the REC Chief Executive. It's a pleasure to welcome you along to what is our last podcast of 2021. So some festive frolics, a bit of a review of what we've seen this year and a bit of a look forward to next year. Lots going on in the market right now. Just recently on the 9th of December, we published our report on jobs. That's our November billings figures. And what we saw there was, again, another robust month of growth led very much by perms being much stronger in the second half of the year, but still with temp growing nicely. And of course, those labour shortages are excellent in all of our data, causing both temp rates and perm uh, starting rates to rise quite significantly. One of the big questions going into 2022 is how that sustains, but of course, particularly because of the advent of the Omicron variant of coronavirus and some of the changes that we've seen put into place over the, the last couple of weeks. Now, I'm I'm recording this a little ahead of you listening to it, so I'm at the disadvantage of you probably knowing more about how things are going to go than I do right now. But Certainly, there's a sense in which January could still be quite tough with the coronavirus pandemic. So we're also just keeping our eye on what that means for the for the industry. But later in the pod, we'll also explore some of those bigger economic themes. Thinking about the bigger picture, on the 15th of December, we published our industry status report. That's the REC's annual review of the contribution of the industry. The deep data looks at the year of 2020, which, of course, is the year of the onset of the pandemic. But we also have a little update of data up to the summer uh, of this year. What that shows broadly is while the industry shrank in size in 2020, as you might expect, there's been a strong bounce back in 2021. Temping and temp placements remained high through 2020, still close to 2019 levels overall in the year. Um, and that goes to what we were all talking about at the time, which was temping was really keeping the nation going and the industry was making a difference. Big fall, 50% plus fall in the number of permanent placements in 2020, but with a strong bounce back in early 21, certainly anecdotally and in our jobs data, we are seeing a stronger uh, recovery still in perm placements through into the uh, through into the second half of 2021, which will be reflected in our next status survey. Now, as we get towards the end of the year, it's really important that we kind of think about where we've been and think about where we're going to. I think as recruiters, we always tend to be thinking about the work we've got on on the stocks on the whiteboard right now, the cash flow in the business, some short term things. This is a moment for a little bit of longer term thinking. And I'm delighted to welcome a more homegrown guest than usual to the podcast for this edition, Kate Shoesmith, our Deputy Chief Executive. Kate, welcome to the pod, although I don't know whether I should say that because you've presented many of these as I have. Hello, Neil. No, it's nice to be here. And uh, as you say, it's interesting that we're looking back on such an eventful time. I don't know that we necessarily thought that we would be in quite this position as we approach the end of 2021, but it's great to be here. Let's have a, a chat about kind of the industry and what we've seen through through the year. And of course, you're, you lead the REC's work representing us to government, but also thinking about some of the regulatory issues as they apply to, to members directly. And if we go right back to February, we published the Recruitment and Recovery Report and launched our Recruitment and Recovery Campaign. Now, with almost 10 months distance from that, how would you say that big campaign for 2021 for on behalf of the industry has played out? 
it's played out really well from our perspective. We are in a position where we, we've known for some time the value that recruiters can bring to the economy and to society more generally. Whenever I speak to recruiters, the, the pride that they have in how they support people to find great work and that to, to make a difference in terms of the jobs that they're hiring them for, whether that's on a temp or a perm basis, it affects all aspects of uh, individuals' lives and the business transformation that they can see by bringing those individuals in to support contingent short-term needs or whether it's something as a longer-term permanent basis and a project that somebody's working on in terms of that interim or exec search level. So so we knew that that was important, but I think what recruitment and recovery did is it demonstrated the scale of this industry. We could say without apologies or um, embarrassment that the recruitment industry is bigger than management consultancy, it's bigger than legal, and it's bigger than accountancy in terms of its gross value added to the UK economy. That put us in such a strong position we were able to say that the difference we make is that there's 100,000 young people that get their first job opportunity through one of our members or that we help 300,000 people leave unemployment and to move into a job. Now, that's more than the job centres do. That's a really, really important contribution we're making to individuals, to society at large and to the economy. And that allowed us to have a conversation with government and opposition spokespeople, which said, this is what we can contribute. This is why we should be involved in the recovery conversation. But it also allowed us to position ourselves with the clients of our members This is the type of insight that we can provide on what's happening in the jobs market right now. And the labour shortages campaign and what's happened in terms of all of that type of statistics has demonstrated the value added that recruiters can bring, seeing very early on what's happening in the economy and how we can help think about some of the solutions and about how businesses should be formulating their plans for the future. I think that's a really telling assessment. And I tell you, the moment that... I think we, I thought we'd cracked it. Earlier in the year, I thought we'd cracked it when Quasi Quarteng replied, wow, when I ran him through some of the statistics from the report. But actually, I, I slightly recanted of that opinion. We had Mims Davis, the employment minister at the awards, the REC awards on the 25th of November. And the way she talked about the industry was, I think, new and different. And it was about recruiters as disruptors of the labour market and as deliverers of change, helping companies change to meet this new economy that we've got and helping people find their path through it. If we jump back to February, that's exactly the message we wanted to get out there. And I think in in government terms, we're pretty much there. You look at some of the things we've worked on this year, whether it's digital right to work checks, where we're really hopeful of getting a permanent solution, but we've managed to keep with them all year. Whether it's the appropriate regulation of umbrella companies, where we've been working on early drafts of the regulation with Bayes. There's a, a whole range of areas where we're working the inside now in a way that perhaps we weren't before. But the media work has been much more focused in making that case outside government. You know, I would argue that a lot of the media work we do is really about moving clients. And I think we're starting to see that reported back to us by different parts of the industry that clients are understanding the importance of that workforce planning point and and the industry as a professional service provider. Now, am I just being unnecessarily hopeful because I'm feeling Christmassy or do we think we're seeing something change here? 
I think we can say that we're seeing a change. Now, we, the REC, were one of the first organisations to start to point towards there being labour and skill shortages in April this year. That's very early on, if you consider when the newspaper headlines first started to, to really get to grips with driver shortages. We all knew about what was happening in the NHS and the concerns about burnout of staff there. But across the piece, it was our data that was being reported on. Neil, you remember the headline where we were shared the front page with ABBA? That led to some significant conversations on on our part where we had client organisations coming to us and saying, what is it that you know about the jobs market, please? Because we want to think about this workforce planning. We had a really good roundtable session with NHS employers in the middle of the year where we could learn a lot from what had happened in terms of the agency partnerships with different NHS trusts over the pandemic. And for us, it was like, yes, we, we are now we're here as a partner to the NHS. We're not a necessary route or something that you have to do and, and don't necessarily want to do. Think of us as this partner that where we can we can inform your approach to staffing. The same applies just as much in the education setting where we've been talking to organisations, particularly Crown Commercial Service, to think about what's the offer here? What type of framework do we want to develop in the education world so we can think about supply teaching more far more effectively? And that's just in the the public sector. What I've noticed in the private sector is organisations coming to us and saying, I'd really like to know what what it is you know about what's happening in terms of what's what's next for IR35. Now, I always say that I don't expect there to be any backtracking on that. But we can tell you what we've seen in terms of the impact it's had on the market and what type of knock-on effects we've seen. And, And particularly with, you mentioned, umbrella regulation coming up. That's because we've specifically asked government to to think about this because we know that that's one of the direct results of uh, introducing the off-payroll rules to the private sector, that we've seen this upsurge in the interest and use of umbrella companies. So, So how can you do that ethically and properly? And clients wanting to have that insight and conversation with us, perhaps on a more confidential level to start with, but so we can use that when we then inform what happens next with government. I think that's right. And certainly I've had reflected back to me by chief execs of some members, managing directors, that they're seeing that in the approach to negotiation that client firms are are taking. Now, that's not all down to uh, the work we collectively as an industry have done this year, because I think we've got a bit of a following wind from everything that's going on. But I do think that sense of opportunity, that sense of moment for us as an industry, for the REC as an organisation is really it's really robust and coming out of this year where we went in thinking about recovery, albeit that we know that there's a, a way for the pandemic to run yet. It seems to me that the idea of the industry as a professional service is now embedded in the national debate in a way it hasn't been before. And the question then becomes economically, can we make the difference that we all collectively claim we can, which I think the proof of that pudding will be in the eating. Is that that reasonable? Do you think there's more to it than that? I think it's entirely reasonable to, if we're talking about what we've been seeing in the jobs market. So look at the report on jobs data that you, you referenced at the very top of the podcast, where we could see 
pay rates being um, that wage inflation happening because of the shortage and the lack of supply of individuals to fill the demand that we had. If that pay inflation continues for starting salaries and hourly pay rates, and we are talking about people moving jobs, that's when you get the pay inflation. Businesses are going to be particularly interested in, in what that looks like and how it plays forward for them. And I know when we're speaking to members, that's the type of insight that they want to be giving to their clients. It's also the type of information that we should be informing government about what does this mean for the broader economy at large? What type of levers are at their disposal so that we can make sure that that wage inflation doesn't have uh, consequences that could be potentially negative for the jobs market at large and for the economy at large? So there's a, there's an interplay in all of this and bring it together, seated in what's happening in the labour market and why this matters to me becomes all important. And that's the conversation that recruiters are now able to have. And of course, this thing keeps moving. And think about what occupies my mind as someone who spent a long time thinking about uh, the UK labour market. There's only so long that starting rates can continue to rise before settlements, you know, pay rises for uh, existing staff have to follow. And as that happens, while we don't really know where average pay is quite yet because we, the kind of negative effect of furlough is still playing through the system that artificially downgraded pay growth last year and now it's artificially inflating it as it flows out of the system there's definitely going to be pressure for pay rises coming through on a broader basis if you think about the long run people have had of relatively low pay rises the return of inflation which we now know will stay higher for longer the quickening pace of change between sectors i think 2021 will be a year where the experience of different sectors will vary much more widely than than maybe in as for 2022 will be a year in which the experience of different sectors will vary much more widely than perhaps we've seen in 2020 or 2021. All of that speaks to potentially assuming we can navigate this Omicron variant in January and have a relatively robust first half of the year. I think the headwinds in the second half of the year economically look a bit more difficult to navigate as companies are forced to make some more robust decisions based on being under pressure on the payroll from staff who are feeling the bite of inflation, but also feeling under pressure in terms of supplies and other costs because of inflation in the company's own input costs. So maybe the second half of next year begins to look quite flinty in terms of some big people decisions. So if you're running a, a recruitment agency, you've got your, your key clients you're talking to in January. Yes, absolutely. It's about uh, getting close to their plans for January. But I think there are potentially some even bigger people planning decisions to make through the year into the second half of the year. Firms are trying to weigh up a couple of kind of difficult choices and where potentially that's the point where a, a good agency's advice might make all the difference. Neil, that's really Interesting, because um, and given your perspective as having been on the low pay commission for some time, your your sense of where pay rates may go is is obviously really well informed by that. Do, what do you think that the recruiters could be doing? And so, if we think about the leadership side, what they could be doing that thinks about that more broadly for their clients. What type of advice should they be thinking about right now, going into twenty twenty two for their client base? That's a really good question, Kate. And I think first and foremost, I think there's a 
candidate education job to do pretty early on in the year in terms of you see lots of headline data about pay rising, but people listening to this podcast will know better than me that pay is not rising evenly everywhere. There are shortage skills, there are shortage sectors which are growing massively through the and after the pandemic where we are seeing four, five, six, ten, even 15, 20 percent average pay growth right now. And then on the other side, there are sectors where, yes, pay is rising again, but it's not rising by very much. So a critical piece is around helping candidates to understand the market and to support retraining and flowing into some of those shortage sectors, because that will offset the pay growth in the in the long run. From the point of view of clients, though, which was really your question, so I should probably answer. I think the critical thing is clients understanding that they have multiple variables under their control. So if you look at, for instance, my friend Ray Newton-Smith, the CBI chief economist, published the CBI's economic forecast a week ago. My friend Ray Newton-Smith published the CBI's economic forecast in the middle of December. And when you look into the labour shortages elements of that, some of it's unsurprising. Over 60% of firms have experienced labour shortages in this year. Some of it is quite surprising in as much as those firms really are only pulling the pay lever. And we know that there are many other levers they could pull around work organisation, around their offer to staff. So that's the first piece. And then the second piece in terms of advice is, well, you don't have to buy it all plug and play. So, And we know this, of course we know this, because we run a system, 80% of the sector's revenue comes from clients borrowing our people, not clients hiring directly. I think that really live discussion about what will be digital and what will be done by human beings. And then in the stuff that's done by human beings, what do we buy versus what do we borrow versus what do we grow? And do we understand the pathways through? One of the things that one of our board members at the REC, Mark Edwards, says quite a lot is that he does green tech skilled people and trains them to do it on a kind of higher train deploy model, similar to what, what's often been used in IT up to now. And when Boris stood up and said, I need heat pumps of the future or whatever he said, he took phone calls for about a thousand heat pump engineers the next day or the next few days. There's no such thing as a heat pump engineer. We haven't designed the, the course yet. So there's all sorts of things that companies need to be thinking of in terms of their labour supply. Not all of it will be delivered by a trusted recruitment partner, but there's a real opportunity to get into that debate where you can say, look, this is probably what your your business plan now means your people plan has to be. Here are the things that we can help you with. And here are the things that you probably need to go and find a partner for. And we can kind of help you with that if you want to. But the Firms might think that's too far outside of their their comfort zone. But that discussion with clients, I think, is going to be super important. I totally agree, Neil. I, I'd, to add to that, I think one of the things that we will be seeing and, and where we um, we should be seeking to add value as an entire industry is if you don't have an ESG strategy of your own as an organisation, now is the time to get one. And the same applies just as much to businesses more widely to that organizational thinking so so your point about green skills and green technology is there are uh, there are certain jobs which are very much going to be front and center of the campaigns and the and the leadership for carbon neutral but there's going to be uh, a knock-on where it's it goes across all of us and it's incumbent on all businesses to think about how they are moving towards carbon neutral in a 
totally different vein, but thinking about what are we doing around equality, diversity and inclusion. That's for organisations to have a view on, to be leading the way. And individuals will want to see businesses acting and operating in a way that they feel chimes with their own ethics and, and, and our own well-being. And I think there's uh, there's definitely a role for us. And part of our work for 2022 is to actively think about what is it we need to say we specifically want support from government around these different areas. How do we ensure that they keep in step with government? So if you think about levelling up and um, how do we measure social mobility, there's going to be a role for recruiters there. So it's one for us to watch in 2022, given how we influence people moving about the jobs market. But what practically can we do as well to give you the tools and the business support advice that helps you be a differentiator within the market? I think there's two areas for us of thinking practically what happens on on the ground in a business and also what is it we need to do in terms of that government campaign area so that they're measuring the right things and asking the right questions of our organizations i think that's right and just sort of beginning to gently draw this together i think there are three things here that are really important the first thing is when we look at our own firms are we set up to deliver in this new world you know so we do have the right skills and the right people to surround a client with that kind of high quality discussion and are we rewarding our teams in ways which encourage that team around the client approach are we thinking about how these change times have perhaps change bit elements of the recruitment business model and then going to what you were just saying Kate in terms of representation for the industry by the REC but also members own work and work with us i think we've position now the industry really well with government there's still some yards to go there are definitely bits of government where the old ways hang on uh, one of the devolved the attitude of the government of one of the devolved countries uh, the guilty party will re- remain nameless towards agencies is still it still keeps me up at night in terms of me wanting to do more to get them into the right place i think that um there's more to do, particularly in healthcare, around making sure we're focused on delivering value for taxpayers and quality care for patients rather than just nailing nailing costs to a place which encourages trusts to break the glass and use emergency powers. But the third piece is, if those are it, two areas where with government we've got more to do, by and large, actually, government is now looking to us to move the business community. And so there's a I think there's a unanimity of purpose there, which is government wants business to be a bit more long term. It wants business to be thinking about people planning. Well, that's what we want as an industry as well. So I think an REC that's a bit more challenging to the client community on how you do this well is in the interests of our standing as a sector which is important to all of us, including the REC, but it's also in the interest of individual REC members. So I'm coming to 2022 quite excited, Kate. That's really positive to hear. And I think it's useful that at this point in time where there might feel like there are a number of unknowns. So we don't know the path of the Omicron variant at this point in time, but we have a very strong steer from from our member organisations that what we do need is we need um, the guidance from government to be very specific, to make sure that it's um, shared in advance. And for us, our key ask is that we continue to be involved and engaged. And I know, Neil, for instance, you were you were with 
ministers um, on the other week just talking about what was happening here so that they get that insight. We'll keep that, we'll keep banging that drum because there's an awful lot of intelligence that we can give. And I think the other thing is that on a more practical level, businesses can prepare for many of the things we know that are coming. So we know that umbrellas are going to be in the spotlight, for instance. We know that there's likelihood of a single enforcement body being created over the the coming 12 months. And we know that how um, pay is discussed and how workers are treated are always going to be important. So there's certain things that we, we can continue to work on, regardless of some of the unknowns that we don't have out there. I think that's absolutely right. And now's the time to lift the eyes to the horizon on some of that stuff and just thinking about is every practical step I'm taking in the business moving to me towards our agency being competitive in this new world and making and 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 making a difference. And for us at the REC to own all of that across the industry and really make the case for for what we collectively can achieve. I think it's been a tumultuous year in so many ways. I try and avoid using the unprecedented word, not least because 2021 and 2020 can't both be unprecedented. One of them must precedent the other in some kind of way. But I think overall, as an industry, people have stood up over the last couple of years across the whole industry. And I think generally our role in the economy is seen as much more important and our ability to drive change is seen as much more important. So I think there's a there's a really robust chance of making uh, of making 2022 another year where we make a difference. So, Kate, thank you for joining us on the pod today. I'm going to finish with one question, which is, what's your favourite Christmas present? My favourite Christmas present? That one, Neil, you put me on the spot, but it's always just nice to have a bottle of gin or something, isn't it? So we can all just relax. You know what? That's not a bad call, and it allows me to focus on the uh, the very nice bottle of wine someone sent me on uh, Saturday as a, a as an early Christmas present, which was lovely. I think that theme of a bit of relaxation, a bit of time away, not just not working, but also time for reflection, is going to be important for all of us as we look after colleagues and look after ourselves this Christmas period. So, thank you for joining us on the pod today, Kate. Thank you. And thank you to all of you for joining us on this episode of the podcast, but also all of the episodes we've run during the year. You know, the REC is an organisation that exists to support recruiters across the United Kingdom. All our work is to serve a single purpose, which is in the interest of the industry as a not-for-profit. Your support of us is hugely appreciated. And as we go into 2022, we've got some exciting new stuff to show you. We've got Management Academy launching which people can uh, sign up into, uh, for until the 1st of February. It's really good longer-term courses about running your business. There's a whole suite of those new academies coming in 2022 from the REC. But also there's great content for you to enjoy over Christmas if you'd like something from us. And Kime in episode 23 on help on help to grow management of uh, support available from business schools. Amanda Phone on episode 24 about uh, equality, diversity and inclusion. Ricky Martin on episode 22 about recruitment standards. Lots going on to catch up on if you've missed any of those. But it's been a, a tumultuous year. Thank you all for your support of the REC. It's hugely appreciated. It's a great organisation because it's it's got great members. And it's a real privilege for Kate and I to represent you week in, week out with government and in the media and elsewhere. 
have a happy Christmas. And I'll look forward to hopefully seeing as many of you as possible soon in person at some stage in 2022. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Join me for another episode soon and check out our back catalogue at rec.uk.com to catch up on some other fantastic discussions that are really helpful for recruiters. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. So subscribe to REC Podcasts to never miss an episode.